Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. It's been really good to go through the book of Exodus, but, you know, it's, hey, it's new month. Can you believe it's already July, July 6th? We celebrate Independence Day. It's it's a little crazy how uh, we're already staring down the down the fall months like that, and uh, you know the change of seasons and looking at this uh, new stretch of the summer, it's a good time to go ahead and take a look at a psalm. So we're looking at Psalm 74 today. Uh, not really leaving Exodus though. We're going to see that Psalm 74 is really cool. It talks about the Exodus a lot, and particularly the Red Sea crossing. So really cool to look at a psalm. Um, in a very neat, uh, unique way that just shows how this Exodus and this Red Sea crossing, you've got actually more than one place in the Bible that talks about it. Um, happens a lot. So good stuff today, looking at another psalm and one that's kind of on theme. Um, we now, yes, I just got confirmation here. We do have our guest today. <laughs> yeah, always a blessing when technology and the appointments all line up the right way. We've got as our guest, Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor at Congregation Chayva Shalom. They're in Dogtown of St. Louis, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Glad that we were able to get a hold of you. Of course, they didn't. Uh, they, they almost didn't get a hold of me this morning. So just we're just uh, we've just made it. So praise God. <laughs> Yeah, I think all this quarantining has just sort of put us all in, what day is it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Yeah, so, that's right. Like, how do we how do morning. we plug in anything again? How do we yeah. <laughs> how do we turn the computers and the internets on? <laughs> yeah. Good morning, but good morning. Still works. Yeah. Unfortunately, she has me on my landline, which means I don't have any problem with reception. Hey, there you go. There you go. So, you know what? It's uh, we're we're making it happen. We're making it. Yeah. Happen. We've got we've got dependability of nothing else. So, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, looking at uh, Psalm seventy four today. Uh, yeah, just talking about it in the intro. Just really cool how this story of the Exodus and of the Red Sea crossing just keeps bouncing around all over the scriptures. Well, I mean, it is the seminal event in the life of the Jewish people, and. God reminds them all the time and everywhere they look, I am the one who brought you by the hand out of the land of Egypt. So, uh, and it's, of course, the forerunner exactly. to uh, the coming of our Lord. So that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that Pascha, Pasqua, Easter, Christmas connection that, we, that we've talked about before. Yeah, very good. Well, without well, any uh, further ado, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, obviously Jesus uses that Passover event to institute the Lord's Supper, so it's pretty critical to keep all that in mind. That's right, that's right. No, that, that, that's always good to go back to that. It's not just some kind of crazy, you know, church tradition that developed later right. and obscured the original message, like, you know, some kind of Da Vinci Code thing and... Like, oh, the Christians, you know, they got really into this, you know, uh, Christmas, Easter thing. Like, well, no, it's Jesus himself on his own lips making the connection between Passover and what we celebrate in Easter and Christmas. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, that we I go back to the Lord Jesus himself is the one who holds all those connections together. So, uh, yeah, very good. Let's, uh, well, any further ado then. Uh, go ahead and turn to the text. And as we do so, brother, would you open us up with a prayer? Absolutely. 
Abba Father, we thank and praise you for this new day. We thank you for the technology that allows all of us to get together uh, over the air. And we pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, you would anoint us anew for understanding that as we read this psalm, you would show us by your Spirit what it is you desire us to know as we continue to live in this wearisome world. And yet, Father, uh, looking to you for our rest and our peace. In Jesus' name, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 All right. So let's go ahead then and turn to the text, Psalm 74. Um, I mean, so we, we mentioned, okay, there's some connections to the Red Sea crossing, um, the Exodus. Um, anything else we ought to bear in mind um, before we go ahead and hear this psalm in its entirety? Well, I just always with the psalms, I always look at the reality that this is a musical rendition uh, you know, Asaph was the family of court musicians. The mascal is a liturgical musical term. And so when we think about this, we should think about it in sort of a melodic sense. We don't know what it would have sounded like. Certainly in the scriptures, there are, you know, in the in the Masoretic text, there are cantillation uh, marks that you can sort of figure out ups and downs. But uh, it's kind of nice to think of this as a musical rendition of the passing. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've, um, of course, we've seen it before when we were looking at, um, I mean, what was it? Was it Psalm like 110? Uh, it was, it was around there. There's, um, some of those, those, uh, Egyptian Hillel Psalms that of course had that very explicit musical connection back to Passover. And, uh, yeah. And this would be another one that's, um, you know, here, isn't this like what? Isn't this like book two of the Psalms? I think like right. it's like like one of the last ones in book two. So I mean, it's not just there at the at the very end. It's throughout the Psalter these connections, musical renditions. This so is I actually, I guess, it, the very beginning of book three. But oh, that's I right. Like yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I like to imagine that maybe this might have been one of the Psalms that they went out singing from the. Passover, because it's traditional, of course, to sing at the very end, Halal, and you can see uh-huh. where the disciples left and went into the garden, and one would think maybe this was one of the psalms that they were singing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it could even be connected to that holy week and that holy night, mm-hmm. and yeah, 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 I mean, and it is, I mean, you know, just such a, it is a prominent psalm. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just like looking over my notes again. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it is one of the first two psalms of book three, so um, they they are a rather prominent place there in the Psalter, and so you know it, it, just because it's not there in in Book Five with the rest of the Hillel doesn't mean that um, it, it couldn't have had a very special connection indeed. So and think about it as we uh, read it in the context of uh, what Jesus has just uh, said to his disciples as they're going out this uh, imminent yeah. rejection and and. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting to read this in that context. Very, very good. So there, there we have kind of that, that dual context here to be considering. So we'll kind of keep that, keep that in mind then as we turn to the text here. Here's Psalm 74, spoken, not sung, and uh, may, maybe someday, guys. But so here we are, yeah, so right. I'm reading through it from the, <laughs> from the top. Amaskil of Asaph. O God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you've purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. 
Remember Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees. And all its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your sanctuary on fire. They profaned the dwelling place of your name, bringing it down to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet. There is no one among us who knows how long. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God, my King, is from of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him his food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day, yours also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun you have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish people reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land that are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. So, you know, just reading through that, it's um, it's clear that besides, I think, the two contexts that we're thinking about, there's another context that this psalm has in mind. So besides looking at the Exodus and the Red Sea crossing, besides looking at uh, Holy Week, we're also thinking about the destruction of the temple, that we're looking at this situation where they've, they've come into the temple grounds, they've destroyed everything, they've cut it to pieces, They've sent your sanctuary up in smoke. Uh, you know, you're talking about pivotal central events. Well, of course, um, you know, the Lord Jesus himself um, in his incarnation, in his passion, of course, the, the Red Sea crossing. But, but, also, but also that destruction of the temple, another big central event really in this story of salvation. Yeah, and there's this, uh, there's also some sort of creation language in here as well. And then, you know, it's interesting timing because Thursday is Tsom Tammuz, which is the day that the 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 day that begins the three week mourning period of the destruction of the temple. On Thursday mm-hmm. in history the walls were breached. The second temple was uh the wall to the second temple was breached by the Romans. And so it's in yep. the Jewish calendar, it's a minor fast day as we remember that event. And so you have that kind of coming out in this psalm as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you also you know, mentioned you know, creation, which I think is also uh, right. I think that the, the Red Sea crossing, of course, itself evocative of creation, as we've seen as we were going through 
uh, the plague sequence and uh, considering, you know, the imagery um, and, what, and what that meant for even the Egyptians when they were there being shown the power mm-hmm. of God. So, yeah, connect, connecting that, you, you know, the, the creation, the, um, the, the, the Passover event, the destruction of the temple, the Passover week. And then our, uh, you know, well, I mean, as you just mentioned, I mean, even the destruction of the second temple um, and then the anticipation, of course, of the new celestial one in the second coming. So this is one of these Psalms where just all the big central events all get linked together, huh? Mm, yes. And and you got to love, if, if you read this in the context of Jesus giving him, I mean, obviously Jesus is the cornerstone upon which this temple that is the church is built, upon which the apostles and prophets are the foundation, and you and I are all living stones built into that temple. When you have this information that Jesus is giving to his disciples, the time is coming when I will be, you know, handed over to to, to men who will then destroy me. Um, this whole language... Uh, if, if this psalm is a psalm that, you know, yes, we're speculating, but the whole language is, I see Jesus all over this. This this whole Friday night, Good Friday kind of destruction of a temple uh, and, yeah. and creation, you know, the, the, the earth splitting open and the sun going away and, and uh, graves of the saints coming out. And it's just, it's just, uh, had to be heavy on the hearts of the disciples as they went with Jesus into that garden. No, absolutely. And I mean, and of course, just thinking about, I mean, the Lord's own prediction, right? You know, tear down this yeah. temple and I will raise it up in three days. And so, you know, he is there in the garden and he's thinking about how the temple is about to be destroyed. I mean, not just uh, in the sense of, you know, I, I think that people have, have kind of looked at that artistically, that idea of, you know, the Lord Jesus, he's, he's there, he's, he's feeling the weight and the sins of the world, you know? And so in that kind of um, mystical celestial sense, he's there, you know, in the garden, like he, and he, and he feels, he knows he's going to feel the weight of the temple being destroyed um, both times when he's there on the cross, you know, he's like looking forward to that. That's what he's anticipating happening. There's that sense, but I mean, he himself as the temple is about to be destroyed. So, I mean, it really yeah. does actually link up in a profound way. And I, in verses 18 and 19, just cry out Psalm 22 to me. You know, if, if in yeah. fact, we, we see the, that Jesus is the Lord's dove, he is the sacrifice that is being right. brought forth for the sins of the people. And you can see the, the the hounds of Bashan here and the, you know, the scoffing of people and the reviling of him on the cross. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. I think that that's, that's really, I, I'm not sure I really, really like, you know, put that together is, is so clearly that like when you see him there on the cross, I mean, that's, that's really the destruction of the temple happening right then and there. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is of course why why it's there in darkness, right? You know where mm-hmm. you have just so many of those other ideas. You know, the, the, you know the day of the Lord being a day of great darkness and Revelation speaking even of everything going dark and you know. So yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, it's 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 really interesting to take think think of it that way. Like as you're looking at the cross, you're seeing a building collapse. Yeah, yeah, 
and everyone standing around reviling those who are collapsing it, and the one who is being yeah. collapsed. Yeah, that that one. I mean, the, it's it's a powerful mo, a powerful image in this one psalm of of so many motifs of uh, you know it's and that's that's why we often I think in the uh, I'm not sure if it was in Bible study or one of the pericopes recently, but um, they called this they there was a, a quote in Matthew to a psalm, but the quote was yeah. said the prophets have said. I don't think we often mm. think of the psalmists as prophets, but they are. And this guy mm. here, uh, whoever wrote this psalm in this house of Asaph, uh, is certainly being prophetic. Yeah, that's also a really good point, too. You know, I think we we sometimes we think, you know, like, oh, the Bible, you know, it's like basically like the whole thing was written by, uh, you know, like Moses and Paul and the evangelists, right? You know, but <laughs> like there's there really are a lot of authors and uh yeah we don't even think about it but there's a, a good number of you know these inspired authors that really are to be classed with the prophets and the evangelists mm-hmm. um you know and they're they're there in the, in the psalter so i mean yeah and of course just i mean just think about like we're saying just how this is one of these amazing psalms that have uh such insight well, of course, and that is um, going back to the superscription. I know you mentioned that you know maskil is a is a liturgical term, but you know I, I have noticed you know there is that Hebrew sense of the root there to be skillful, um, you know that that um, that that sakal idea. So mm-hmm. I wonder you know if it is maybe you know of course it's a musical thing, but it's it's a it's a song with a lesson, right? It's a song that right. that's helping us to see something clearly and so I, that's that's certainly the prophetic gift of asaph there that his prophecy is coming to us musically so that as we look at this poetry we learn a lesson from the temple being destroyed yeah yeah it's pretty powerful well, yeah well no it, it is and just looking so at the at those first three verses here um i mean th- this seems like a situation here to where you've got the ruins of the temple, and it's almost like you can picture the ruined temple. It's there's a priest who's who's there who still survived the Babylonian invasion, um, and he's there and he's just presiding over uh, a heap of rocks. You know, like just I mean, think about of course uh, le- leading up to like the the, the Kokba, um, uh rebellion later. You know, yeah. where you just had like <laughs> there, was, there was a priest there, uh, just there he is like it's just a bunch of like stones you know and that they've kind of been able to like pile up together in the midst of the rumble rubble but that's what that's what they're doing there in in the uh, the ruins of the temple just praying out like how long are we gonna be doing this in sackcloth yeah. and ashes and yet always with the i mean you're sitting here in the midst of crisis in the midst of ruin in the midst of destruction and yet always knowing that God is going to make whatever he will out of this, that God is still reigning. And I, and I think right. somewhere in in our, you know, I loved the collect from yesterday. It's a collect we say, you know, regularly in the church, and it has been for, for many, many years, this wearisome world that we're in, Lord, and yet you bring us the rest. Uh, and it's and the world grow it's, it feels so wearisome now, but it, it's no more wearisome than it has been in its history, because of the fall and because of sin in the world. Uh, and we who have something to look forward to, 
are weary of waiting, and yet we wait in faith, and we know that God is going to bring, you know, salvation. Yeah, you you know that's 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 well said. I mean, I mean, cause going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the hour, if you know the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is is like watching a building being destroyed. In fact, like you were saying with the scoffers, it's really more like a demolition, right? And there's everyone around gathered around as you know they they plant the they light the fuses, right, and plant the explosives. Yeah. Um, you know that's that's what's going on. They're just they're watching this demolition. They're just you know saying burn, baby, burn, and all the rest of it. And so, what does that mean? Well, it means um, that we are, in a sense, here left on Earth in the Church, uh, presiding over the the pile of of ruins. In in a sense, um, of course, resurrection did happen in the restoration there, but uh, worldly from the worldly perspective, that's that's kind of like what the Church is. We're, we're the provide, presiding over the the ruin of Christ. Body, and that is, um, of course, the Eucharist. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that that language, you know, like you're saying, so full of faith, even amidst the wreckage. There, in verse three, the perpetual ruins, um, the enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Um, You know, and and so then, uh, this is, I think, an interesting because they're saying, hey, look, it's not just that things are a bad situation. It's not just that you know things are materially uh, less than comfortable and not you know quite what we had hoped for. But there's this bigger spiritual significance to it that by them doing that, right, they 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 swung your axes right in your forest, right in the midst of your meeting place, setting up their own signs in verse four for the signs, right? Our, our signs are gone. They took down yours. They put up theirs. Um, you know that this uh, idea um, uh, setting fire fire to the sanctuary. It's like it's it's been corrupted and polluted as a place of idolatry. Mm-hmm. And, and so and and we. Again, these Holy Week connections, of course, Jesus cleansing the temple during Holy Week, that was his entire point, is we've turned this into a house of, of you know, a den of thieves, a house of robbers, and a place of idolatry. Uh, and so there's that. That is a small foretaste of what this is also talking about after the fact, but before, of course, the destruction of the second temple. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, interestingly, in the, the in Tish in uh, I think it's Tishbav. Yeah, it's next month. Uh, we have the day on which this the temple was destroyed, and uh-huh. we have on that very day so many things happened. And in fact, according to to most calendars that the rabbis have established, the first and second temple were destroyed on the same day. Mm, right, well, well, right, and then, then of course, uh, it, there's the uh, connections that people have made between um, the, the conception of the Lord Jesus and the creation mm-hmm. of the world, and um, yeah. even the moment um, of our Lord's death. And so, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, there's, yeah, connecting, connecting all the dots in those unique ways. Well, we want to talk more about that, and uh, also this middle section of the psalm is really, really cool. We gotta get talk about Leviathan, right? opportunities to talk about Leviathan, so this is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. we're doing it today here on Thy Strong Word, looking at Psalm 74. Be right back.
I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. This week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss Christ's descent into hell with Pastor Paul McCain. We'll continue our series, The Words of Scripture, talking with Pastor Will Whedon about priests in the Bible. And we'll begin a series on Darwinian evolution with Christopher Geeshan. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word here on KFUO, looking at Psalm 74, this psalm that's connecting all the big moments of uh, the life of faith of the kingdom of God, the people of God, talking about Leviathan today, too. You crush the heads, plural? Hang on, what? Uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about that as as well. Our guest today joining us again, one of our regulars, got Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor at Congregation of Shalom in Dogtown, St. Louis, Missouri. If you've got a question for us listening live, you can give us a call 1-800-730-2727 or if you're one of the happy, blessed people down in Dogtown or elsewhere in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. Any questions or comments on Leviathan or anything else in Psalm 74? You can also send your questions and comments to kfuo at kfuo.org via email. Uh, didn't have quite enough time to get everything set up for Facebook today, unpacking all this stuff. Just uh, been in the car for like 14 hours or something. Just got back from vacation. Oh, yeah. so. oh where'd you yeah. go? <laughs> uh, we were up in the mountains, you know? And so, I mean, it was oh. just, it was, I love the mountains. I mean, I feel yeah. like, you know, you go up a mountain and like, uh, just you got, you know, you have some kind of epiphany. There's something about that in the Bible, I think. That is true. I think it's in this psalm, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. But um, yeah, and I, I meant to ask you actually at the, at the top of the hour. So I mean, how, how are you doing? I mean, I know you you were. Uh, I think I, I feel like the last time that we we had you on, it was like you were like, and here we are, uh, live from uh, Pastor Parviz's hospital room. We've got. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it was you really fresh off the operation practically. Well, it's another month, and my knee is coming along fine. I've Still looking forward to playing some tennis, but not there yet. But there it's, uh, it's a little bit better. Yeah. Every day. yeah. And we uh, unfortunately, you know, when you uh, when you do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, when when uh, when you get back to playing tennis, you you have to call me because I should, <laughs> I should line right. that up with my next time that I'm out in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring your racket. Yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, um, hey, hey, we could we could talk all day, but um, but getting back to the text here, where where were we? We're looking at uh, was like verse... then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we had just yeah. finished, you know, through verse, verse eight. eight or so. Yeah, yeah, and so kind of yeah, yeah. That that leads it up, and it's mentioned here in verse thirteen, fourteen, right? So, 
uh, you know, you've got this, okay, we're in, we're in the ruins, we're seeing this as the, the ruination that is idolatry, right, that we are currently in, even in the midst of the church age, that's the problem of the world. Um, we do not see our signs, there's no longer any prophet, uh, no one among us who knows uh, how long, of course, that fits really well with us, right, I mean, because, I mean, this, this is the thing, right, no longer any prophet, I mean, does not in some ways refer to the ascension of the Lord Jesus, where, you know, you don't see him outwardly. I mean, he's there preaching, you know, through his church as the final ultimate prophet, right? But, um, you know, it's not in this visible way. So here we are, and we're just, we're all praying, you know, how long, O oh Lord, how long? None of us know when he's going to return. Um, and so we're praying for this to, to happen, and then we go back to the destruction of Leviathan. My king is from of old, working salvation in the midst of earth. You divide the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the wires. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. So, I mean, so how does God destroying Leviathan give us comfort and hope today as Christians who are waiting for the second coming, right? That's that's my question, really. I mean, connecting all the dots. Well, interestingly enough, in Jewish, um, I guess, rabbinic teaching, if you want to call it Jewish mythology, however you want, you know, Leviathan is mentioned five times in the scriptures, and it's mentioned in Job specifically as opposed to behemoth, uh, which is mm -hmm. Leviathan is the sea monster and behemoth is the land monster. And I think right. it was, I'm guessing, Rashi who made a comment that um, behemoth was the male and Leviathan was the female. And uh, mm -hmm. God destroyed Leviathan so that they could not mate and make giant monsters that would destroy the world. So they're in the destruction mm -hmm. of Leviathan. It is a provision of protection uh, for the destruction of the world from the destruction of the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. And that's, that's really cool. Right. Um, and I feel like people hear that and they're like, well, now hang on, where did they get that idea? I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I remember the. I was probably unfair to this brother who asked this question, but I remember after after church, we're sitting down for a Bible study, and he was like, "It was like, you know, the the Catholics, you know, where did they get that crazy idea?" And I was like, uh, "From the Bible, <laughs> you know." Yeah, right. Like, I mean, there there are actually all these crazy ideas that people come up with. I mean, there's something in the Bible that kind of. Uh, raises their eyebrow and got them going. And of course that goes back to Genesis chapter one, where it actually right. mentions that. Right. And it's there. It's, yep. it's uh, even clearer in the Hebrew, but they're on day five. Um, you know, you've got, yeah, the fishies in the sea too, but what's it actually say? Right. Um, it says not just, you know, the little, little fishies and the, and the birds, uh, but when you have that description in Genesis chapter one of the, of the creation there on the fifth day, it says in verse 21, uh, so God created the great sea creatures and every yep. living thing. And so when you look at that sea creatures word, that is the word for a sea monster. Yep. And it's, the, I mean, the Hebrew is Leviathan, and it's, that's how it's pronounced, which is why we get that English transliteration of that. Especially yeah. here, the word is in, in Hebrew, Leviathan. And so you have yeah. these great beasts that got, that were created uh, and yet, um, in God's wisdom, according to the tradition, now keep in mind that ta the Talmud is intended to be the written-down oral tradition that was passed down from father to son. Um, uh, you know that, that God sensed in the fall that these beasts would would 
grow and would accumulate numbers and ultimately destroy the world. So he took out Leviathan. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, and I, of I course, never, I, mean, I can never read right. this section without thinking of. I don't know if you remember, but there was a picture that was published several, many, many decades ago now, a Japanese mm-hmm. trawler that brought up, yes, dead, but a plesiosaur that was still fairly intact, uh, and it was a giant sea creature. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that, that's something that we don't don't appreciate that. I mean, Especially in the perspective of the ancient world, I mean, like the 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 sea really was full of sea monsters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whether yeah. that's you know like a actual you know ancient plesiosaurs that were you know somewhere out in the in the waters, or if it's just in the midst of a sea storm, you know, a big whale comes up and like you know destroys half your ship. I mean, yeah, that sounds yeah. like a sea monster to me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. Or, you know, I mean, even even in certain instances, you know, you encounter one like one of these gigantic crocodiles. I mean, there there have been historically oh, yeah, those are huge. Enormous, you know. I mean, twenty feet long, no exaggeration. And so, like, I think I feel like that qualifies as a sea monster too. So, you know, yeah, from the perspective of the ancient world, sea monsters—that's not we're just making stuff up. Mythology. That's that's actual stuff, right? That's just yeah. I mean, obviously, all these myths of dragons and things—they come from real events that obviously get grown into into stories. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, they're right. So, you know, there's not to say like, you know, that some people kind of like we started off, you know, it's a 20 foot long uh, crocodile and all of a sudden it was 200 feet long and breathing fire. Right. You know, so, I mean, that yeah, sure. But um, but yeah, the the world is, you know, literally full of sea monsters, you know, from that kind of basic sense. And so, yeah, I mean, it's you have the word Leviathan here um, in Psalm 74 back in Genesis. The word is uh, Tanin. Right. Right. Um, so just kind of add an L on the end. You can get that like uh, instead of thun, instead of tunning, it's going to be like a like a low thunning. Right. And so there, all, all of a sudden you got your Leviathan. Right. So it, it's not a it's not an illegitimate connection for Rashi or any of the rabbis to make and see that as like, OK, yeah, so that makes sense. So, you know, he did create these sea monsters, but even in the act of creation, Right. He could not have created sea monsters in such a way that they would just kind of keep on growing and developing and, you know, having offspring and destroying everything. So it was a very natural application for Rashi or anyone to make to say, hey, look, he put limits on those sea monsters, even when he created them on the fifth day. Exactly. For our protection. And uh, for our call. Well, yeah, sorry, for our protection, and, and, and not just for our protection, but our, for our blessing, because if I recall, the other half of that tradition, which is really fun, is that he destroys Leviathan, and then he takes, he keeps the heads, he keeps the meat from the kill, and he sets yeah. it aside and prepares that for the people of God to feast upon in the last day. Right, exactly, which is really interesting. That's a heck of a freezer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I got his say i think it's less it's not even just interesting that sounds pretty awesome to me i mean like you know god's got leviathan like stored up on you know cold storage for us on the day of the second coming i mean that sounds like quite the marriage feast of the lamb in his kingdom yeah that's an interesting connection there as well (laughs) yeah sounds like a pretty good victory feast right you know this Mm -hmm. is the feast of victory for our god hallelujah get some leviathan meat um so so okay so there there is the the connection kind of uh you know cosmologically there but let's let's kind of get this anchored back down here so 
okay, there's this kind of mythology, um, there's this cool creation imagery, but what does is, what is destroying Leviathan have to do with uh, Passover or the destruction of the temple? <laughs> um, that would be a hard one for me to, to speculate on, other than, again, the destruction of Leviathan is a cataclysmic event that is done for our good. And so is mm-hmm. the temple a cataclysmic event that is done for our good? Certainly the death of Jesus is a cataclysmic event that is done for our good. Yes. I mean, that's, yes. you know, everybody, you know, the whole business of Good Friday, my grandchildren have asked me that question. I'm sure every grandchild has asked the grandfather from time immemorial, why is it Good yeah. Friday on the day that Jesus died? Because it's for our good. Yeah. Well, no, that, that that's right. I mean, if, if his death and destruction, right, um, as as terrible and tragic as it is to even consider that, like the death and destruction of the Son of God, the, the, the true King of God's people, his only Son, but if that is what brings us peace before God, then it is truly good, and it's truly the greatest and and most precious and perfect sacrifice the world has ever seen. So, yeah. so if that if that's what we have going on, then then you can actually see, yeah, the destruction of uh, that temple destruction then becomes a symbol of salvation for us. That even as the walls are, are tumbling down. Um, and the fire burns, you know, that that's uh, a symbol of when God was slaying the sea monster of death and the grave there on Good Friday. And it's, and it's hard to see that because ultimately the, the the temples, at least the first temple, was destroyed as a form of discipline to God's people. Yeah. And and discipline yeah. is not something we enjoy receiving but it too is right. for our good. I mean, if we don't are never yeah. disciplined, we'll never come back to God. No, that's right. That's right. We we just go off on our own way. Well, I mean, that's that's essentially how we we uh, you know refrain from reaching out for the tree of life, and instead we go for the tree of of good and evil. Right? It's like we hey we we found good on our own, and we think we're good enough. Right? Like. We don't actually need to do the the God thing. We we've we've we got God. it figured out well enough. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And we always so, want to do things so, on our own. That was uh, that was the devil's whole thing. Yeah. You can know. You don't need God. You can know the difference between good and evil. Exactly. So we think we get all figured out. Hey, you know, hey, hey, Eve, I've got it all figured out. Here's the the master plan. Here's the five year plan, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, just we, we've got it. I've got it all worked out, babe. Um, and then he says this COVID nineteen. So yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. See, so yeah. it goes back to Adam and Eve. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's so we need we need we need the judgment, right? The, the discipline. Um, and and so you can see it in that way. And I think also you can see it in this way as well. That you know here in that in that situation you're presenting over the ru- the ruins right like who is the sea monster right well sea monsters Babylon Babylon just came through and yep. just just reduced everything to pieces and so you're looking back and you're saying hey God you slew the sea monster of Egypt right there there is right. the connection right because uh, elsewhere yeah. in the Psalter you've got Egypt referred to as Rahab another uh, name for Leviathan the sea dragon. So you got this comparison of Egypt and Babylon. You're like, hey, God, you slew the sea monster of Egypt um, when you did that at, at the Red Sea in our exodus, right? 
And we'd like you to come down here and slay this other big sea monster, right? Thinking of that tradition of two big sea monsters, right? Here, come down and, uh, you know, that, that was uh, Behemoth, and now here, slay Leviathan, right? You know, Babylon, which has come and just decimated the land. And yet, uh, in the, even in that destruction, we have to see our good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. And we suffer. We suffer. And, I mean, certainly, you know, that's that's why I, I appreciate yesterday and the pericopes and the collect of the day, that whole theme of the the reality that we don't live here and, and this is not our home, and yet we are having to be disciplined. We're having to suffer through this worrisome world, and yet God has already destroyed the sea monster uh, sin, death, and the devil, and we have uh, salvation to look forward to, even in the midst of our suffering. That, that, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, it's it really, it really is quite, quite the connection. How you know they're there in the ruins of the temple, the ruins of the uh, you know in the first temple in this case, and and in one sense, God has uh, has. Loon has slain. There we are. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. just one of the best words, right? Um, you know, slayed, slain, <laughs> slew, <laughs> right, right. slaughter. You know, just it's a beautiful word. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, let's not go down the linguistics uh, bunny trail there. So um, yes, he has he has slain the sea monster of Egypt. We'd like him to slay the monster of Babylon. So same thing with us, right? He has slain sin and death. Um, and the devil, in the sense of uh, his his coming and his passion, Good Friday, but we still need him to kind of slay the other sea monster, which is yeah, um, right. the remnants of Satan's temporal power. You know, among yeah. among the uh, the kings of the earth, right? That it's that's the other monster that still has to get actually fully destroyed. You know, the remnants of death that still plagues us to this day. You know, as we're you know as you mentioned COVID, right? And how we're just reminded of that every day. So. Um, we're, we are just like the the people there who were left in the wake of the Babylonian invasion between the slaying of two sea monsters, and we need him to come finish the job. Yep, he will. That's his promise. The dragon will be thrown into the depths of the sea. And, and there's and there's the confidence. There's the confidence that we see in the psalm, right? Because you know, hey, yep. you you slew Leviathan, and of course. Um, obvious that you would. I mean, there's the language there. It continues in verse 15. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Um, that, that's another beautiful connection. That's connection that's connection to the wilderness wandering, right? Like um, splitting mm -hmm. up rocks and giving them springs, right? But they're disconnecting it to creation again. Um, you know, you're the one, you know, your spirit was hovering over the face of the currents, right? Um, the, the waves and the tumult, and um, you stopped it, right? Like you made it do something. You caused order and creation. So, I mean, it, it all goes back to this, you know, yours is the day, yours is also the night. It's creation language. And so um, the confidence that God will be able to not just slay one, but both monsters is ultimately grounded on our confidence and our faith that we have because he is the creator. And and so we, as we understand that God is the one who has fixed all the boundaries of the earth, who has created all of these things, we just call upon him to look at the enemies that we have and remember how they scoff at him and 
do the same for him. Of course, all those enemies have their root in, again, the devil and sin and death. And so that's what God, that's what our confidence is. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I think this is really comforting, you know, because I was just, you know, talking to, um, you know, I mean, like, you know, some of the the older generation. um, And, you know, one of the things they were saying was that, you know, it's really discouraging, right, how it looks like things are going downhill for the church. And it seems like church isn't very important to a lot of people, even even a lot of Christians, right? And, you know, they're saying, like, you know, and and that's, that's, I think, very discouraging for the older generation to be seeing right now because, you know, they, of course, they remember a time when it, it was apparently better, you know? And so it, that's a sad way to uh, leave this life looking that you know, having it apparently seem like things have gone down, downhill for the people of God. But I mean, like I'll, I'll say now what I said then, which is that the thing is, I mean, that's like what it was in Luther's day where things were bad. You know, God yeah. uses those opportunities where things look bad in the churches and ruins to bring about restoration, reformation, and like, uh, you know, a, a revolution of blessing. So, I mean, well, ultimately, we I, I see any decline that happens, and we can say that we're in decline now. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, I mean, Jesus prophesied that in Matthew 24 and 25. And all of these things, yes, we're in the last days. All of these things are 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 pangs of the last days. Ultimately, though, we have that to look forward to, the ultimate victory of the church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a, it's a word of comfort um, for for us that you know we don't have to uh, be worried that you know things are you know hey that's it's just going to keep going downhill. I mean that that's the feeling again. You know, at the it can feel like that sometimes. Like it seems yeah. like there's no end in sight. I mean that's what we had at the beginning of the uh, the psalm, right? Why God do you cast us off forever? Of course, we're not cast off forever, but sometimes it feels like it's forever. Certainly does. <laughs> you know, uh, the, yeah. direct, direct your steps to the perpetual ruins, right? We we know this isn't going to go on for perpetuity, but it, it feels that way at times. Yeah. Um, you know, the misery of of, uh, of the state of the church, God's people, uh, of our families, of, you know, life under the cross sometimes. But, um, but you know, we, we know it's not actually going to be forever, and that's the confidence of the of the psalmist, right? You know, hey, speaking of time, he made day and night, summer and winter, right there in verses 16 and 17, right? So the God who created time itself and day and night, right, that means that this misery cannot go on forever. The creator God is going to do something about it. And uh, despite those mockers, there's that cool language in verse 19, uh, it's really a confidence. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beast. In other words, we know that he's not going to let his dove just get eaten by the beast. He is going to intervene and save that dove. Um, what beautiful language um, that we should be comforted by here in our case. Yeah, and then have regard for the covenant. Yeah. I love that reminder. And, and it's okay that we have to remind God. He gives us that latitude yeah. that we can call upon him like Abraham and say, remember us. Remember the covenant you have with us. That's right. Well, remember the covenant in Jesus' blood, right? I mean, yeah. isn't that what we're doing when the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me? Um, we, you know, we do this in remembrance of him, and until he comes, we proclaim the Lord's death, right? I mean, that, that proclamation idea 
it is um, us in remembrance of Christ and us calling on God to remember the new covenant and say, hey, look, I mean, this is the Passover lamb. I mean, when John the Baptist says, you know, behold, the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, that's as much to God as it is um, to the people. You know, here, God, here's the Passover lamb. Come, go go ahead and bring about the rest of what you've promised. Um, that is what we do. Um, asking, you know, come Lord Jesus when we celebrate the Passover of the Lord's body and blood. Amen. And so God doesn't, doesn't, he's, he's, he's a God who wants the relationship. And if we are uh, with him and in our own struggles with the wearisome world that we live in, we call him to task to remember his promises to us. That's okay. Cause that reminds us of his promises to us. That's right. So, so we ask him to remember his covenant, ask him to remember uh, the scoffing that's going on. We celebrate the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're speaking with the psalmist. We're speaking with Asaph here, verse 20. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. And let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. In other words, let us poor and needy, Praise your name, O God. Look at the church. Look at the state that it's in. It looks like it's a dark place. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks like a place of uh, habitation of violence. It looks that's what it looks like all around here. So we're asking that God would change this situation, and we know He is. Yep. Arise, O God, defend your cause. And what is His cause but us? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, exactly. And you know, it's just my goodness. You look at the world and it's like literally dark, you know, right now yeah, you've got yeah. just, uh, things that seems that so many, you know, businesses and, and places have, have gone dark and shut their doors and aren't turning on the lights cause they can't afford to keep on the lights. And so yeah. it, it's literally dark. You've got people literally going out in the darkness, um, to perform violence and that's just going on all over the place. So, I mean, yeah, we find ourselves in that situation, and we're asking that God would inter- intervene and inter- uh, intercede for the poor and the needy. And there's that interceding, defending language, right? Arise, O God, defend your cause. I mean, yeah. doesn't that feel like uh, invoking the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit to uh, be our defense attorneys in the heavenly courtroom and to intercede mm-hmm. on our behalf? Yeah, and he does. I mean, that that's the thing. We we call upon God to defend us knowing that we had no right to call upon God other than the fact that he is defending us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's it's only because of what Jesus is saying. Nothing nothing that we say is actually um going to have any weight with the Father yeah. as sinful right. human beings, but if we have his intercession then he he's got the he's got the mouth of gold. Yep, and we have uh, the comfort of knowing that he is defending us. And, you know, all the uproar of those who rise against God, which go up continually, and that has been the case since Cain. Um, yeah. God listens and he hears and he knows, and He is he is yet giving us the confidence to say, thank you, Lord, for the protection that you've given me. Yeah. And, and that's... You know, that's that's all we can do. And that's what this psalm is a lovely reminder of, is in the midst of all this chaos, uh, God is still in control. 
Well, and, and I, I like those words there. You said like uproar and chaos, right? You know, in verse 23, do not forget the clamor of your foes and the uproar of those who rise against you. I mean, isn't that what it feels like in kind of like the, the clamor, the uproar of the kind of incessant, um, you know, din of social oh, media, yeah. right? It just, yeah. it just, it just, it just feels like it, the, the, the scoffers and the mockers, right? They're not just like outside. They're like in our homes because they're on our phones and, and uh, on our, you know, laptops and TV screens, right? The, the mocking, the, the uproar, right, of everyone. It's like a, it's a clamorous sea. So we want, we want someone to silence that, that chaos and silence this sea dragon, right? Who seems to have this, uh, this, this angry, noisy head in our lives. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like, you know, hey, Lord Jesus, you, you slew the first one, come slay the second one, finish the yeah. job. We yeah. know you're going yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord yeah. Jesus. Brother, uh, so glad that we had you on again. I hope to, to keep hearing about the good progress that you're making and uh, see you on the tennis court soon. Yeah, by this time next week, I should be walking with a spring in my step. God's blessings to you all. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Everybody, Pastor Kevin Parviz, Pastor at Congregation Hivish Shalom in Dogtown. Till next time, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace. By Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.